Welcome to Race Wife Unfiltered, hosted by your favorite bougie race wife, Rachel Thornhill. Every week, she shares stories of her life as a race wife and other women in motorsports, giving them a platform so their voices can be heard. Hey guys, welcome back to Race Wife Unfiltered. I am your host, Rachel Thornhill. And today we have a special guest with us. Um, she is currently a driver in the Porsche Carrera series. Um, she also has an engineering background and um, drives for Kelly Moss Racing. And um, I mean, she does a lot of things. So welcome to the show, Sabre Cook. Hi, Sabre. How are you? Hi, Rachel. I'm good. How are you? Doing well. I'm so glad you um, you took the time out of your busy schedule to come onto the podcast. I know um, that that was something that we really had to try and uh, work out because you're a very busy person. So yeah, it's uh, it's a good thing though. It's right. It's good to have lots of things going on. Right. I mean, it's n- it's never bad to be busy. <laughs> so, but um, yeah. So honestly, um you you do so many things i mean besides you know being a racing coach and having your engineering background and being a racer like i mean what got you started in in all of this i mean like was this a childhood dream or was this just something that you fell into um it was it was definitely a childhood dream uh but it came about because my dad used to race motocross and supercross professionally and he and my mother did not want my brother and i racing motorcycles so we got into karting um i drove for the first time just before i was eight years old and then um just started taking it more seriously when i was about 10 and then decided like this is kind of what i want to do for the rest of my life when i was uh about 13 years old and i won my uh first tag world championship so that was like this is this is such an amazing experience and like such an amazing platform to be in so that was kind of when i decided that i was gonna stick with it for a very long time and uh then moved to car racing eventually in the end of 2017. Uh, yeah um and i totally understand where your parents are coming from i mean it's better to be in something that has some type of roll cage you know <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly with or, motorcycles it's like it's not if you get hurt it's when so right exactly yeah so i totally understand why it's like you growing up in that community they probably had a feeling you guys would want to do something within motorsports but yeah it's like when whenever you're trying to look out for your kids it's like i want them to do the one thing that wouldn't be as dangerous right yeah (laughs) so i totally get that because that was kind of like my husband raced, you know, I mean, he didn't race like motocross professionally, but he did like the trail racing, the endurance races. And it was the same thing. It was like our kids wanted to get into it. And he's like, um, no, I think I prefer you to be in something a little bit more, you know, safe. So they did carding too, because it's like, do that instead. You know, at least you're not like on this bike and yeah, hitting trees and things like that. So. <laughs> Hit trees and cars, but uh, but it just does, definitely doesn't do the same damage. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, 
So, um, obviously you've had an impressive career so far, you know, obviously you said you, you did karting and then you moved up to, into the cars. So what do you think would, is your biggest accomplishment so far in your racing career in your mind? Uh, I think, I guess like if I, if I just look at the karting and then the car stuff separately. So in karting, I would say my biggest accomplishment was winning the Scusa Pro Tour National Championship and as well as the U.S. Open National Championship. I'd say those are probably my, the ones I feel the most proud of. Um, and I, as I was also the, the first female to do so. So that was, I was awesome to be able to kind of break that glass ceiling. And then in the car stuff, it's been a little more uh, difficult, I would say, because it's, all based on how much funding you have right so the amount of full seasons that i've had is is not really been many and so i would say um my biggest accomplishment would probably be qualifying for the w series and putting podium podiuming in w series at Assen um in 2019 and then also winning the kelly moss shootout last year to set me up for a successful season in porsche deluxe career cup this year Right. Yeah. With you driving for Kelly Moss. Um, I mean, honestly, that's, that's just a huge thing. And then, um, with you being the only woman, um, on that, you know, on that team. So, I mean, for you, how, how do you feel about that? Do you feel that like, um, there still needs to be more like a push for more like, diversity when it comes to comes to that because it seems like you know obviously with kelly moss you're the only woman but do you feel that this team is going to grow and you feel that there's going to be more women coming within um within that's you know that team uh i there definitely needs to be more of a push um until i raced at sebring for the first race this year there had never been a woman that's raced in the porsche carrera cup north america so and i don't think there had been a woman that had raced in the pro class in the 992 globally until i did that as well so there definitely needs <laughs> to be a stronger push for that um but with kelly moss like i'm very blessed that you know the co-owners are andy and victoria and victoria is a great champion for women and understanding that they've got to get more women you know not just as drivers but in many roles throughout the paddock so um it's definitely coming changes changes growing but you know everything takes time yeah no i agree with you and and i, I definitely am seeing a major shift you know recently within the past few years just in motorsports in general where more women are coming into um these organizations and yeah no i and i feel you know you can never have enough women in motorsports so but yeah um and i thought that was amazing that they gave you that opportunity um with you being the only woman because i mean because then it really it really pushes you know that they want to make this series inclusive, um, especially since it's been mainly male dominated and they haven't really had any women, you know, um, do anything in that series. So, no, I'm glad that you get to have that opportunity because also, you know, it just it just shows that, I mean, you're you're breaking that barrier, too, because it's like, you know, you're you're one of the only ones to do it. And so. 
it really shows like an example to other women and other young girls that like they can do this too. So. Yeah, I, I hope so anyways. So yeah. hope it's, hopefully it's encouraging for the young women out there that are interested in it. Yeah, no, definitely. And so, um, when it comes to racing, obviously I know you've done, I mean, you've done different types of cars, but now with you being in the Porsche series, um, how, like, when it comes to getting ready for races, do you do anything differently now that you're in, you know, in this Porsche series compared to like what you did whenever, you know, you would get raced to get ready to race like a car, like does your routine change or has it like always been the same? Uh, no, I think that if everything was always the same and I didn't grow up in any ways, I wouldn't get very far. So I've definitely learned a lot throughout the years and I'm always trying to adapt the way that I prepare and approach for race weekends. So it's, it's definitely changed quite a lot, especially with my mindset and, and the way that I kind of think about things, the perspective that I take, um, is quite a lot different from my younger years. So yeah, there's, but compared to like say the GT car with, you know, with the Porsche versus like say W series, ultimately the preparation behind it is, is similar. Like I'm just learning how to do things in a better way, but at the end of the day, you always want to be as prepared as possible and the basics will always apply. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, so kind of talk us through like what your like typical race day is like for you like you know what you like what you do like in the morning when you wake up like like is there certain rituals that you do like all the time you know to either get yourself hyped up or um you know or just certain things that you feel like has to be a part of your routine so on a our race weekend it can vary a little bit depending on like what series we're paired with so like at Sebring, we were paired with IMSA and then Long Beach, we were paired with IMSA and IndyCar. And so then like our daily schedules are a little different. And then like with Miami, we'll be with F1. So typically like on day one, you have your practice sessions and your qualifying sessions. So you're on track like quite early and till quite late. So it's, it is a long day. Um, but usually like things that I really try to make sure happen every day, even on race days is um, I like to, to wake up and be able to do some like breathing exercises. I do visualizations, gratitudes, and then just to really set my intention for the day. And then always I will, you know, look over video and data just to review myself again and think about like the main things that I want to focus on for the session. I'll do visualization of laps, like how to do the perfect lap and try and build as many of the senses around that visualization. And I will also like for breakfast, I usually always eat like eggs and oatmeal. Um, and then for lunch, try to eat, you know, something like a protein and some vegetables and, and a carbohydrate. Usually I like to eat rice. Don't love pasta. It's usually a little <laughs> too much for me. Um, and then, yeah, just trying to keep my energy levels up throughout the day, making sure that I'm, you know, taking plenty of electrolytes and fueling myself when I feel hungry. Um, but yeah, there's, it's just kind of about keeping yourself in a, in a pretty steady energy state and then always just reminding yourself of, of the main focuses before you go into every session. And then obviously after every session we do debriefs um, and go through all the video and the data. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a really intense weekend, obviously, but yeah, like you mentioned, um, how you 
you kind of stick with certain things like with the visualization and gratitude and things like that. And I think that's amazing because I don't think a lot of people realize like what you guys do, like behind the scenes, um, when it comes to like, if you have specific rituals that you do all the time. Um, and so it's like, it's really neat to see that because it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge, I'm huge into like visualization and gratitude as well. So, and it's one of those things, like I have to do it every day. Like it's like a non-negotiable thing. (laughs) And so, um, so yeah, so you would consider that like a non-negotiable for you. Like you do that all the time. Yeah. I try to do that every single, every single morning. Um, sometimes if I'm in a rush and like, (laughs) it doesn't always happen, but, um, but the goal is always every day. Um, I think it's really important to set yourself up for long-term success. Right. Yeah. And I agree. Um, and it's like, it's visualization and gratitude is just so powerful. I feel like not enough people realize how powerful it is. Um, and you know, doing that, yeah, like you said, it sets you up for success. Cause it's like, you know, um, I, I think it gives, it gives us all a different type of perspective on life. Um, you know, some, in a way that you normally wouldn't think about. So it's like, you know, even if you might've had like a bad day, like for example, like obviously with racing, like, you know, let's say, you know, you didn't do very well, you know, at the race or something like that, you can still find something positive out of that day. Like it's the fact that you did what you loved that day instead of, you know, doing something random that you didn't want to do. Um, I think finding those little, those little things, no matter how bad your day might've been, it's like, you know, it's like, you're happy that you were there, that you were able to do what you love to do. And I think, I think that's what matters. And I think that's why like being grateful for that. It's like, Hey, like you're living out your childhood dream. Like, you know, this is what you've been wanting to do forever. And it's like, not everybody gets to do that you know, gets to be what they wanted to be when they were in child, you know, during as a kid, because, you know, a lot of people tend to change their minds after a while. But the fact that you were one of those people that actually stuck through it and was like, this is what I love to do. And I'm going to do this forever. You know, um, not many people get to, you know, experience that. And I think that that's an amazing thing that you've accomplished. Yeah, I I'm definitely feel very lucky that I've had the 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 opportunities and the ability to to chase my dreams, you know, from a from a young age. Right. And and you also had, you know, very supportive parents that were willing to, you know, let you um well not let you, but like they were willing to fund your dream too, you know. Um, because starting out that young, obviously your parents would have had to really, you know, do a lot to to get you into racing. And then, you know, once you were able to get sponsors and things like that, I'm sure, but I'm sure they had to, you know, finance it at the very beginning. Yeah, absolutely. Like I was, I was very lucky that they were so supportive and they still are extremely supportive of, of what I'm doing. And, uh, I, I love them to death and I, I definitely wasn't born into a, a certain blessed financial family, right. but I'm almost more grateful that to, learn how to adapt and, you know, get better at business and with the sponsorship side of things, because I feel like I've become a more robust person having to take that side on rather than, you know, just having it be family funded. So I I definitely take my situation over, over others any day. 
No, I totally understand. And yeah, I think that that's one thing um, that sometimes people don't realize is that, um, you know, most racers do not come from families that are well off, you know, like, you know, uh, I would say the opposite, honestly. Well, there's a mixture. There's some people that were, did not come from well off families. Right. And they like their families had to really sacrifice, you know, financially to be able to, you know, be able to give them the opportunities that, um, that, that they currently have now, like to be able to start racing. Um, yeah, there's a mixture, but there's definitely a lot of drivers as well that, you know, didn't come from well-off families. And I think some people don't, don't know, you know, and it's like, they don't realize how much, um, their families had to sacrifice to get them to where they are. Uh, and I think that a lot of, um, a lot of drivers that are, you know, they kind of have a different type of appreciation, I would say, for what their families have done. I mean, and I mean, all families sacrifice, but I think the ones where like it might have put them in financial binds sometimes and things like that, you know, I think that, you know, that makes it your gratitude for how far you've come. I think I lost you. I think that is something that also makes you more appreciative too. Cause it's like, especially if your family like had to, you know, do certain things financially, like to be able to make sure that you got where you needed to be. Um, I think it, you know, it just gives you a different outlook on everything. It's like, you know, my parents, they, you know, they really went out of their way to make sure that I would be able to live out my, you know, live out my dream. And I, I think that, I think that's an amazing thing that a lot of parents, um, do is, you know, they give their kids that opportunity to be able to, you know, live out their dream. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, obviously you also went to college, um, and majored in engineering. So do you feel like your background in engineering possibly gives you more of like an advantage as a driver or does it, or do you feel like it, it, it doesn't really make that much of a difference? Uh, I definitely don't feel like it gives me an advantage. Um, I think the mindset you have to be in to be a good engineer and the mindset you have to be in to be a driver is very different. So it's almost, you have to be very careful um, when to, to be looking out of the perspective of an engineer and as a driver and keeping the two separate, I think is most beneficial for me. Um, because as a driver, you know, you need to think a lot by instinct and feel and, and you need to constantly adapt. And, you know, from the engineering perspective, you're always thinking very consciously through things. You're very analytical, like everything is very well thought out and you can't do that when you're on a racetrack. <laughs> so, I mean, you, there's obviously like you're prepared for situations and you do obviously think through and strategize through your race, but it's much more, um, much more on the fly. So I think as a, as an engineer, it's great that maybe I can communicate in a little bit of a better way with, with my engineers as a driver. And maybe I have like a little bit of a different perspective when it comes to, you know, setup or developing the car and can kind of maybe suggest things that other drivers wouldn't because I do have that knowledge and background. Uh, but I definitely don't feel like me being an engineer makes me a faster race car driver. Got it. Yeah. I mean, and like you said, trying to switch off the two different mindsets. Um, I mean, have, have you 
found that hard to do or has it been pretty easy for you to do? Uh, I think it's been hard for me on it, like being completely transparent. It is, it's hard to switch up off a part of yourself, you know, <laughs> and I'm naturally very analytical by nature. So to be able to shut off uh, maybe a little bit of those conscious thoughts when you are driving and, and drive more by feel um, has definitely been something I'm focused in and working on. And I, I totally understand where you're coming from about trying to shut off the analytical part of your brain, <laughs> like to do something, it can be hard. Um, like, for example, cause I work in tech, like for my corporate job and yeah, it's like trying to shut off like that technical side to do something else, knowing that, you know, it's like, oh, I might know a little bit more about this, but like you're needing to go by instinct and you're not really able to shut that off. Yeah, I could see how, how that could be you know, difficult at times. But um, so besides racing, obviously, I know that's something that you do all the time, multiple, you know, multiple days out of the week. But when you do actually have downtime, like what are some things that you actually like to like to do? Uh, you mean like free time or like what yeah, do when I do? you do have free time, whenever that may be. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, like usually I'm pretty. I'm pretty stacked usually with a schedule. So when I do have downtime, I'm usually quite tired. <laughs> um, so I try to just like, you know, take some time to recover, whether that's like maybe like doing an outdoor activity that I enjoy and not thinking of it as training. Mm -hmm. And then also uh, I enjoy reading. Um, so maybe just like reading a good book, maybe not, not, not even a self-help book, like just like fully like just allowing yourself to read something that's fiction. And um, I will, I used to be in Colorado. That's where I was born and raised. And so I would love to to do lots of different active activities outdoors, but I now live in Indianapolis and that's not as much a thing. So um, just trying to find other ways. Like sometimes I, I honestly, I've loved a good movie, you know, uh, ever since I was a kid. So sometimes just being completely chilled out with that and taking the time to, just kind of enjoy yourself. Um, I guess that's that's pretty much what I'll do. And I love dogs. So <laughs> if I get a chance to, you know, engage with a dog or maybe my friends have a dog or um, my dad has a has a dog. So when I go back home, um, I like to, to spend time with him and take him to the dog park or for a hike or something. Yeah, dogs are always fun. I have three dogs of my own, so I totally understand where you're coming from. <laughs> three is a handful. That's a lot. Uh, yeah. Um, the third one, she wasn't expected. She was a rescue. And so, yeah, you know, so I'm like, you know, uh, we'll take, like, we'll take on another one. I can't tell her no, you know, yeah. but, what kind yeah. of dogs are they? So I have a, um, blue tick coonhound. His name is Roscoe. And then we yeah. have, um, BT. He's a miniature Datsun. He's the oldest though. He's like 10 years old. And then we have um, Beetlebug. She's a she's a beagle, but she, yeah, she was a rescue. Um, um, yeah, so I mean, but they're yeah, they're a handful. But yeah, but I mean, it's fun. It's fun. But um, but yeah, so yeah, that's a huge change in scenery going from Colorado to Indy. So yeah, yep. 
I did yeah. live in the UK in between there though, and Texas. So I guess they're all quite different, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I definitely miss the, uh, the outdoor, uh, mostly the mountains. You can go outside, right. And go to maybe like a lake or mm. I can still ride my road bike. There's just like no elevation. So, I mean, I'm finding ways to, to kind of fill that need, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to face the mountains of Colorado. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I've only seen pictures, but I mean, I know pictures never do never do nature justice. So obviously, um, I'm sure, you know, Colorado is a very beautiful state just based off of the photos that I've seen. Yeah, it is a it's a very special place. No, um, and I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you, you know, you try to go back home as much as you can to visit. Yeah, I, I do when I can, but uh, I honestly don't know when I'm going to head back this time. I think I have one of my friend's weddings in like in the summertime, so I will hopefully get to go back then for, for a few days. But yeah, I, don't, I definitely don't make it back as much as I would like to. Yeah, no, I understand that. And But I mean, the, the main thing is that, I mean, that you still keep in touch with your family as much as you can. And and I'm sure, and like you said, they support you. So I'm sure there's times they probably can, you know, come see you too. But um, yeah, while I, my mom actually came out here when I had hip surgery last year. So she got to come out and help take care of me a bit. So, so that was really nice uh, of her. But uh, yeah, my dad hasn't been out yet, but uh, hopefully he come during the, the next race weekend. Yes. So, um, so the only other thing that I, that I wanted to see, like, what advice would you give young women and, you know, young girls that are wanting to pursue a career in STEM? Like, what would you recommend for them? I would just try like multiple disciplines of engineering, like see which one kind of resonates most with you. Um, and you can do lots of like hands-on experiences. There's tons of colleges that offer, you know, engagement from high school students where you can come in and kind of see what the different areas are, or even like trying to get an internship or talking to someone that is in each of those different engineering roles. So that way you can gauge kind of what direction you want to go in. Um, at the beginning, you will usually have all about the same classes anyways in your undergraduate. So you do have a little bit time to decide, but I think the sooner that you can figure out the direction, the better, because you can then just like really build that knowledge base around that direction that you want to go. And then if you want to get into, you know, racing, um, just being there at race events and any sort of automotive events, putting yourself out there and networking, introducing yourself to teams and people and really learning everything you can about the sport. So you really understand the landscape, you know, whether that's reading magazines that are put out on the regular or um, regular updates on websites, like just familiarize yourself so you you understand what the sport is. Um, and then uh, I would just say volunteer as much as you can. If you can get internships and get paid, awesome. If you can't, everybody's got to pay their dues, unfortunately, in the beginning. So um, yeah, I'd just say always be open and always understand that you're never going to know everything. And the more open you are and the more malleable you are to learning all that you can from the amazing people that you're going to meet your career will progress much faster than if you if you think that you have to know it all right now 
Oh, I agree. Like, and honestly, I don't think there's a way to know everything anyway, right? So it's like, it's why, why not be honest and open about, Hey, I don't, I don't know that. Or like ask questions. Like I, I'm the same way. It's like, I feel there's never a dumb question, right? Like you can never ask a dumb question. Usually there will be someone else in the room that has the same question as you. They're just not, not, uh, not courageous enough to ask. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, I, yeah, no, I totally agree with you on that. I think that that's something that a lot of, uh, a lot of people struggle with anyway is, is asking, like asking for help, you know, or speaking up like when they don't understand something because it's like, they're, they're ashamed that maybe it makes them sound dumb, but it's like, you know, it's better to get that confirmation than to, misunderstand so i mean especially when you're going through your undergraduate career and you're learning Mm -hmm. or in your first few years in the industry like those are the times to ask those questions because if you don't ask the questions and you get quite a few years down the road and you still don't know the answer it's going to look a lot worse a few years down the road if you don't know the answer versus if you're you're willing to ask the question early on yeah no i agree Cause then it's like, then they'll, you know, then, then you might get that. Well, shouldn't you know this? You've been in this for how many years? Right. Like, yeah. It's like, so it's like, you've been kind of just getting by somehow. Yeah. Um, I think that we just have to be more willing to speak up and be open about what we know and what we don't know. Just be as transparent as possible. Um, I think, yeah. And to all the the girl engineers out there, uh, be wary that um, your male counterparts, I'm calling you guys out right now, because usually they, they, even if they don't answer, they will very confidently make up one and then make you doubt yourself 100%. So uh, just, just take into consideration the source always when you're, when you're being given information. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I agree with you in that, and I think that kind of I, I think that kind of falls into most industries. Like men aren't afraid to speak up at all. Like it, we tend to hold back a little bit more. Um, we're a little more reserved when it comes to speaking up, and yeah, and I think that's something that um, that really needs to be taken into consideration across all industries because it's like. Because unfortunately, a lot of times women, we tend to hold back because we feel we have to have all the answers right away before we can actually speak up about it. And I think that's the issue is like they don't even have to have all the information and they'll automatically just blurt out answers. But with us, it's like we want to be way more calculated about what we what we blurt yeah. out. And I yeah and so sometimes we tend to like look reserved because we're sitting back to analyze everything and then make our conclusion before we just blurt out anything yeah exactly (laughs) that is exactly it so yeah i think that's why like people just think that we don't speak up but it's like no we're just more observant before we speak up (laughs) a hundred percent so Okay, so one 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 fun question I wanted to ask: um, what what track do you believe is your is your favorite track 
out of all of them that you've been that you've been able to race on? Uh, I would probably say Spa and Brands Hatch GP are maybe my favorites. So what? Um, so what about those two? Do you do you think you like more than the other tracks? Uh, I think Spa is incredibly challenging in like so many different ways, and it's such a long lap. And there's lots of sectors where you just kind of have to like have guts. And it's kind of similar with Brands Hatch, where it's very fast. Some of them like to the apex, you can't really see through the corners. So it's another thing where you've just got to kind of take leaps of faith. Uh, so I think that's why I, I like those types of circuits. Yeah, take leaps of faith. That's a good one. I, I like that because you, you're right. Like, I mean, you're having to like take risks on how you're going to like go through turns and things like that. And like you said, it's mainly based on instinct because, you know, yeah, I mean, you might have been able to like look at something about the track or whatever, where turns are, but going into those turns for the first time, you know, that's all, that's all just gut instinct. So. Yeah. I mean, it's just, even when you do drive the track, um, after you've had sessions on it, just the way that the tracks are is you've kind of always got to be on your toes and adapting and like there's just a lot of like, I guess, high risk, fast, fast, but technical sections. So that's what makes it the, the situations where you've just kind of got to risk quite a lot to be fast. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I, I think that's one amazing thing about motorsports is that, um, like you said, with tracks, I mean, even lines change, right? So like tracks are, you have to adapt to them. Like they don't stay the same from the very beginning till the, till the end of the night, they, they tend to change. And so you have to be willing to, you know, be on your toes like that. Um, even, even if you've raced that, that same track for, for multiple years, like they're never the same. So. Yeah. That's, it's always adapting. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, I mean, honestly, you're, you're doing so much and, oh, and every time I see like your posts on Instagram, it's like, you're doing way more and way more. And it, and it's an, it's amazing. Like all the things that you've accomplished at such a young age, you know, thank you. I yeah, no, of course. Um, I mean, you've done so much, you know, between karting and then of course, you know, now in the Porsche series, I mean that, and then you do the, the coaching. I mean, there's so much stuff that you do, but it, it's like, you are truly, you know, an inspiration to young women and young girls that are wanting to, you know, make headway in the motorsports industry. And, um, and so like, I'm really glad that you were able to come on here and share your story because I mean, I want I, you know, I want to be able to give all women in motorsports that platform to share their stories, you know, so they can inspire others. And I mean, and obviously you're a major inspiration because of everything that you've done and everything you're going to do, because I know there's going to be way more big things for you down the road. So, well, well thank you. Yeah, I'm, I hope that, you know, what I'm able to do in the sport just shows that 
women can do the exact same thing and I want them to go do more than I've done. Like, please learn from all the ways I've done it wrong and, and please continue to go out and, and push the limits because there's nothing, there's genuinely nothing that you can't go after and like work towards if you're willing to continuously adapt, like we talked about and learn how to approach things in the way that, that you need to, depending on the situation. So I really hope that uh, it does encourage um, many people, not just, not just women, but like people to go out there and go for what they want, no matter what it is. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, like you said, yeah, I mean, this is really for anybody, but definitely, you know, when it comes to women and in motorsports, we definitely need a lot more. We need to see a lot more. And I'm glad that it's starting, it's starting to, to happen. We're starting to see a lot more. Um, but then like, like we mentioned in certain organizations, they're not there yet, but they're, but they're going to get there. Um, yeah. and I'm glad that you get to be a part of that. You get to be a part of that movement to, um, in the Porsche series to be able to show that, you know, there, there needs to be women in that series as well. Yeah, I, I look forward to uh, to lining up alongside another woman on the grid, hopefully in the next couple of years. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely. I, I, honestly, we need one tomorrow, right? <laughs> I mean, but, you know, it is it is what it is. Yeah, it, it takes time. Um, and I'm sure that, you know, they're going to have more uh, women coming um, into into that series pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so as well. Well, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. Yeah, no problem. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, guys. Hope you all enjoyed this episode. Um, it was so much fun having Sabre on the podcast. Um, make sure that you check out her website and all her social media platforms. Um, all of that will be linked in the description. If you are loving the podcast, okay, if you absolutely enjoy being here every single week with me, uh, let us know by rating and reviewing on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. So we are hosted on Podbean and you can listen to us there. Or you can also check us out on like Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts. Tune in, iHeartRadio, Stitcher. Those are the main ones, but um, you know, pretty much wherever you can find us. Also, uh, make sure that you subscribe to the VIP section newsletter. Um, it's on Beehive, so it's racewifefiltered.beehive.com slash subscribe. I will obviously link that in the description as well. This is going to give you access to the newsletter. Um, may I mainly send out uh content on tuesdays and thursdays for the newsletter but every now and then i might drop something on a random day if i want to but this will give you access to the blog post that i post on tuesdays and then also um you will get direct access to the podcast right when it comes out because I send out that newsletter on Thursday as well and inside of that on both of them I include 
other exclusive content that is nowhere else. So that includes upcoming guests um, and other things that I might mention um, throughout the week. So um, definitely check us out there. And um, as I mentioned, I'm here every Thursday. So um, you guys will... Um, hear back from me on next Thursday with another episode. So until then, take care.